In your Bibles this morning, Psalm 142. Psalm 142, the passage of Scripture that the Lord has used on many occasions to encourage and help me, and I'm excited to preach it to you this morning. Psalm 142. And when we read this passage of Scripture, you can look right under, in most copies of the Scripture, right under the Psalm 142, there's a little title there. Uh, in my Bible, it says, Michael of David, a prayer when he was in the cave. And that little heading kind of gives us some setting for this story. On Sunday evenings, I'm preaching through the book of 1 Samuel, and we'll be working in the next couple of weeks right exactly in this spot, this time in David's life. But I want to give you some uh, background to Psalm 142 so we know where we are in David's life. David is born in the house of Jesse. Jesse is his father. And uh, David is not the oldest. He's actually one of the youngest of the sons of Jesse. And David is going to be chosen to be the next king of Israel. Uh, the story is familiar, but I like to talk about it and think about it. Uh, Samuel the prophet sends word to Jesse that he's going to pick, and God has sent him to pick the next king of Israel from among his sons. So Jesse does the natural thing. He gets his sons and puts them in order, oldest to youngest, and the youngest of which is left out in the shepherd's field because somebody's got to tend to the flocks. Samuel comes and the sons of Jesse pass before the prophet and it's clear that the next king is not present. And Samuel asks Jesse, do you have any more sons? He says, well, there's the shepherd boy. And Samuel says, well, we're not going to sit down. Everybody stand up until he comes before us. And when David walks into the presence of Samuel, God pricks his heart and says, that's the man. David's anointed to be the next king of Israel. He's a young man. He's been anointed by the prophet to be the next king of Israel. And literally, in just a few days' time, David finds himself having left home and the farm and is in the palace of the king of Israel. He was cunning on a harp. And God had given him an opportunity to serve in the palace, the king, King Saul, and he plays his harp cunningly, and God used him to settle the spirit of King Saul. And I can imagine the heart of a young man. <laughs> I can see how this is going to work out. But it's not just a little while until war breaks out, the Philistines against the nation of Israel. And David being a young man, his brothers being older, David has to do a switcheroo. He leaves the palace the king and he goes back to the farm back to tending the sheep for his father while his brothers go to fight against the Philistines there's a great champion of the Philistines named Goliath Goliath is coming out every day and taunting the armies of Israel and cursing God and the story goes that if someone were to defeat Goliath, then the Philistines would surrender. But if whoever comes to fight Goliath loses, then Israel loses. One day, Jesse says to David, David, I need you to go and carry some food for your brothers and King Saul and check on the battle. David gets there, he hears the Philistine cursing God. His heart is full of righteous zeal. And he says, is there not a cause? God uses 
David, a red, ruddy man, young man, and a sling and a stone to conquer Goliath that day. David carries Goliath's severed head off of the battlefield, and the women cry, Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his tens of thousands. David is put in a precarious situation. The king is jealous of him. Before you know it, David is married to the king's daughter, leading the king's armies, doing a great work. But that jealousy and that rage and that envy in Saul's heart intensifies and intensifies and intensifies until Saul finally has attempted enough times to take David's life that it becomes very clear that David has to leave. David gets the message. I don't know if you remember this part of the story. We'll be getting to it on Sunday night here in the next couple of weeks. David and Jonathan, the son of King Saul, were best friends. Saul had been angry, full of rage, and attempted to kill David. And David was hiding out. And Jonathan says, I tell you what, you hide out in this field and I'll come to you with a message, with a bow and an arrow. One shot was the message that all is clear, David, you can come home. The other shot was the message that said, David, you better run for your life. And that day as David hid in the field waiting on a message from his friend in hopes of being able to come back home, to come back to his family, to come back to what he perceived to be his future, to be the next king of Israel. Jonathan shoots his bow and sends a message with an arrow is the message that David had dreaded to hear. The message said, you've got to leave. It's not safe. And so David, on that day, leaves his wife, his family, his perceived future. He leaves his heart because he he loved his king and he loved his nation. He leaves everything that he'd held dear. He's lost his security because the king has commissioned anyone to kill him, kill David. And here goes David, empty-handed, broken-hearted, done wrong, scared, out of his home, into a wilderness, and into a cave. The cave is the cave of Adullam. And so when we read in Psalm 142, Mask of David, a prayer when he was in the cave, that's where he was. David had come to a moment in his life where everything that was dear to him seemed to be ripped out from underneath him. He's in a cave. And here's what the Lord lays on his heart about that moment. Psalm 142, he says in verse 1, I cried unto the Lord with my voice, With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me? I looked on my right hand and beheld 
But there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. I want you to see some things in this passage of Scripture that are pretty tough. Verse number 4, David says, I consider my situation. He's backed up in the cold, dark cave of Adullam. In verse number 4, he says, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. He said, nobody would even claim me right now. No one would identify with me right now. No man would know me. He says, I have no man around me. I have no help. He says, refuge failed me. He said, I don't even know for sure if I'm safe here in this cave. There's no place of refuge. He said, if I go home, that's going to be the most obvious place. Saul's minions will come there and get me. Refuge failed me. I have no, no place to go. He says, that quite frankly, this moment, the way I feel, verse number four, you see the last phrase, no man cared for my soul. <laughs> you ever been in that moment where it just, my lands, this is brutal. This moment in my life is just brutal. David said, no man cared for my soul. He says, here I am. He says, Lord, attend to my cry. He says, I'm crying. I'm brought very low. Verse number six, deliver me from my persecutors. They are stronger than I. I'll just tell you, this is a bleak moment in David's life, isn't it? But I want to show you something that David was able to capitalize on. David was able to get and hold and believe and hope. Look what he says in verse number 7. His prayers, bring my soul out of prison that I may praise thy name. He says... I know something, Lord. The righteous shall compass me about. I'll not be alone for long. You're going to send help to me. And here's the phrase I want you to see. In verse number 7, the last phrase of this psalm, David says, in the midst of this darkness, he says, God, thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Thou shalt deal bountifully with me. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a moment like David, pent up, hurt, angry, scared, confused, burdened, and you fill in your blank. When I get in these moments, these low times, and it happens, sometimes I'm prone to forget that God loves me. That God, in fact, is working things together for my good. And like David said, that God will deal bountifully 
with me. I'll just tell you, there are situations that I know of in this room, and I don't know exactly how God is going to take that and make it bountiful, but I believe that he can. I believe he wants to. I believe that he will. And I'll just tell you, if there's ever a bleak moment in anybody's life, here's David, the king of the nation, has put a bounty on his head. Everyone that's near and dear to him have tight-knit connections to the very king that wants to take his life. And everything in his life has been taken right away from him. And David finds solace and help in the fact that God is faithful. I like it's a habit that people get into, and I rarely do it, but uh, you say, God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. Don't forget it. It's true. Today's message is titled that. Thou shalt deal bountifully with me. There's three things here in this passage of Scripture. There's many more, but there's three I want to draw your attention to that I believe will help us to know and be able to experience the hope and the faith that says God will deal bountifully with me even if you're in the cave of a doom. The first thing is this. God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. At the moment of David's, David's great despair, the very first thing that David does is he cries out to the Lord. Verse number one of the Bible says, I cry unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. What did he say? He says, I cry to the Lord. Folks, I want you to know something. We always have this course of action. We can pray. God hears and answers our prayers. If I were to claim to know everything about prayer, I'd be lying to you. There's a lot of things about prayer that I find quite interesting. And some things about prayer that I don't completely understand and comprehend. But I know that God, all through his word, commands us to pray. I know God encourages prayer. I know God wants us to pray. And I know God uses prayer in a very special way. We're to call unto the Lord. We're to cry unto the Lord. We're to even complain to the Lord. I like what he's doing. He says, I cried unto the Lord. I, I wonder when the last time you cried unto the Lord. Sometimes we get hard and bitter and our tears dry up. Crying to the Lord is a good thing. Hard-heartedness is never good. We should pray for a tender heart. We should pray for a soft spirit that's willing to be humble before the Lord. David cried. He says, I know I'm supposed to be the next king of Israel. I know that I've been a great military leader. I know that I've got lots of great, strong, man-like experiences under my belt. But when it came time that he was in great need, he cried to the Lord. He cried. He cried out. Do you know that God responds to the cries of his children? It's like a father or a mother responding to the cries of their children. We respond. We know. How many of you parents know when it's a real cry or a fake cry? How many of you have ever heard a fake cry? How many of you have ever ignored a fake cry? Yeah, me too. Just yesterday. I'm just kidding. Sorry. I'm just kidding, boys. 
How many of you ever heard a real cry? I, me too. What do you do? When you hear a real cry, what do you do? Man, you get there. You get there fast. You respond. Folks, I think it's important that we cry out to our Father, knowing that He hears and answers our prayers. And if you get to the spot of desperation, by all means, cry out desperately to your Father, God, who cares and hears. And David was in this process. How many of you ever been in the middle? You're, you're in the cave and you're kind of, you're going back and forth. I hate this moment in your mind and in your emotion where you're going back and forth angry and sad and right and wrong and doing the righteous thing as opposed to doing the sinful thing. How many of you ever been there? Ah! What David did in that moment of angst, he cried to the Lord. I'll tell you something, if you'll cry out to the Lord, you'll find out that God will send the answer. God will give you clarity. God will give you peace. God will help you to make the right decision. How many of you have ever gotten a mess and made it worse? I'm going to tell you, if you wait on the Lord, and your first move in your moments of great despair is to pray and wait, you'll find out God will prove himself faithful. And David did just that. He went to the cave of Adullam, and he says, I cried to the Lord. Folks, I want you to know something. You can know and you can trust the fact that God will deal bountifully with you. And you can get there if you'll go through the means of prayer. I want you to remember and know God hears and answers our prayers. I cried to the Lord with my voice. With my voice in the Lord did I make my supplication. Verse number 2, I poured out my complaint before him. I like that word poured. He says, I want you to know. That I just let it rip. I just gushed my guts out to God. I poured it. I poured out my complaint. You know, we're bad to complain, aren't we? It's okay to complain to God. He heard his complaint. He cared about his complaint. He says, I showed him my trouble. Folks, I want you to know something. God hears your prayers. You can rest in that. God will deal bountifully with you. You remember it. And start the process of getting right with God by going to him in prayer. God hears your prayer. The second thing that encouraged and helped David this moment, we find in verse number 3. Look what the Bible says. When my spear was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privileged a snare. I looked on my right hand to be held, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. In verse number 3, the Bible says, Thou knewest my path. Now, this is something that David declares in faith. He says, I've got to get a grip on this truth. God knows my path. How many of you ever made big plans and your plans got upset? You know, God must laugh when we plan. It must be the most funny thing in the world to God to hear our plans. He knows what's true. He knows what's going to happen. He actually wants what's best for you, even if it's in opposition to your plan. But David said something. You know, I had a plan in my mind. There's no doubt he did. We all do. He says, God, you've effectively destroyed my plan. Or Saul's destroyed it, and you're going to have to do something about it. And he says to God, David says to God when he's in the cave of him, he says, you know my path. You know my path. I love to think about this because 
I want to chart my future. How many of you are planners? How many of you like the idea of having everything under control? Let me tell you something that's very encouraging this morning. You don't have anything under control. <laughs> you bunch of control freaks. You're deceived. You're, I, you understand what I mean. We should plan. We should work. But I'll just tell you, there are so many variables that are beyond our control that we have to learn to trust the Lord. And David got in this situation. He says, now look, here I am in this cave. I'm in the cave of Dulem. Here I've left my wife. I've left my family. I've left my future. I've left what I thought might be the future of David. I mean, Lord, what happened? I mean, it's just been a few years ago that you sent the prophet Samuel to anoint me with oil to be the next king of Israel. And I thought, Lord, maybe that first time when I started playing the harp, this was my open door, but then I ended up back in the shepherd's field. I thought, well, ho, hey, look, I just killed Goliath. There's my path. Oh, not so. Oh, I just married the king's daughter. Oh, here's my path. I'm best friends with the king's son. Oh, here's my path. Surely I'll just kind of just bide my time till Saul steps out of the way and I'll be the king of Israel. But here he is, alone, fearful. And he has to come to grips with this truth. God, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm having to deal with this. But I know you do. He says, God, You know my path. You know my path. You know why I'm having to face this. You know why I've got cancer. You know why I've got this burden. You know why. And I'm just going to have to trust you. He says, thou knowest my path. Folks, we don't know our paths. But God does. And we can understand and know that even though the moment and the place that you find yourself on the path of life may be the very most discouraging moment of your life heretofore, it's not outside of the care and control and the power of God. And it's at this moment, this lowest moment, that God wants you to know that you can trust Him. And God wants to prove Himself to you. And maybe just like David, we need to declare this morning, God, you know my path. You know why I'm here. You know what this is for. You know the purpose. I don't. But you know my path. Let me tell you something. God will deal bountifully with you. God will deal bountifully. He will work things together for good. He will in love, orchestrate, and help the events of your life, we must, though, respond righteously to the trouble. God knows your path. I don't know why you're there. I don't know why it went that way. I don't even pretend to. But I've been around long enough to know that I've seen God turn some of the most horrendous sets of circumstances into some of those beautiful pictures of grace that you could ever imagine. Look, I'm just going to rest in the fact that God will deal bountifully with me. He hears my prayers. He knows my path. And finally, 
He is my provider. It's kind of interesting because David deals with the deep spiritual issues first, and then he begins to think, you know what? I don't know where I'm going to live or what I'm going to eat. How many of you ever wonder about what you're going to eat? It's easier to preach to this early crowd than it is the 11 o'clock crowd because everybody in the 11 o'clock crowd is already starting about thinking about lunch. He begins to think, you know what, Lord? I hadn't thought about it tonight. I've been really hurt. My heart's been broken. But here I am. I, all I got out of that field with after I got the bad news from Jonathan was me. And he says, I looked on my right hand. Refuge failed me. He says, no man cared for my soul. He says, I don't know where I'm going to go, what I'm going to eat, where I'm going to turn. In verse number 5, he says, but that's okay. I cried, verse number 5, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge. He says, I'm going to find refuge in thee. You know God's promised he'll provide shelter for you. He says, I'm going to find my refuge in you. He says, and my portion. Your portion is what you need to live on. That's your food. He says, Lord, you will be my refuge. And you will be my portion. In the land of the living. As long as I'm alive on this planet, you're going to take good care of me. The apostle Paul declared this to the Lord too in faith. He said, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Others said, I've not seen the righteous forsaken or seed begging bread. God will provide. In David's moment, he didn't have any provision or any idea of how he he would get it. But he said, Lord, you will provide. Folks, God's going to deal bountifully for you. You worry about how you're going to get your next meal? Trust the Lord. If you're hungry, you let me know. We'll feed you too. God's going to take care of you. God's going to provide. God's going to meet you there. How many of you ever, how many of you remember, let's look, go that way. How many of you remember thinking about how in the world will I ever get this need provided. I remember as a teenager thinking about certain things that concerned me. I don't know how this will ever, ever come to pass. And I remember as a young adult thinking, I don't know how this will ever come to pass, but this is something I'm going to need if I'm going to be a husband and a father. I remember that. I don't know how in the world we'll ever get that. But you know what? I've watched the Lord provide. How many of you remember thinking about, I don't know how we're going to make this, how I'm going to get this, how I'm going to provide this. But now that you've lived a few years, you've seen God provide it. He's good. He's faithful. And he says that he'll deal bountifully with you. And we can spend our lives. David had an alternative in this cave. Anger and bitterness. He could have stepped out of that cave and began the process of gathering an army and defeating King Saul and rolling up his sleeves and putting up his dukes. You know what I mean? But instead, he said, you know what? This battle is bigger than me. So I better enlist the help of Almighty Creator God and I'm just going to trust Him. God, my heart's broken. 
God, my plans have been totally destroyed. Lord, I know something about you. You will deal bountifully with me. And David said, I'm just going to try to do things your way. I'll tell you, every time for the rest of David's life that he did things God's way, he's glad. And every time for the rest of David's life, when he didn't do things God's way, he wishes he had. Our lives are no different. And every time we obey, every time we trust, every time we believe, every time we just anchor our souls in the goodness and love of God and trust Him, that always works out God's way. And God's way is bountiful. David said, Lord, I'm brokenhearted, but I know something about you. You will deal bountifully with me. And guess what? That promise translates to today. To every person that's determined with their life to live for Jesus, God will do bountifully with you. You can trust him.